It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right, for every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select game, the over-under will drop by one point. Every better who hammers the over in the featured game helps to lower the game's over-under. The best part is that even as the line lowers, your odds remain at even money. That's right, you can double your money by hammering the over. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people who bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the overhitting. So tell your friends and family, this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager, one per customer. Offer ends the 23rd of May, 2021. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. Coming off a play-in game victory against the Charlotte Hornets, as predicted by all three of us in the last episode. Today, I'm joined by Alex. Justin is an apology. He uh, was too taken aback by uh, that first quarter run uh, <laughs> to participate in today's episode. So, uh, Alex, we were all pretty uh, uh, pretty impressed by this this game. It was, uh, you were saying before the show, the most complete game the Pacers have played all this whole season. Yeah, it's been the best we've seen the Pacers since the bubble, in yeah. all honesty. So... The most complete game, without a doubt. We had eight double-figure scorers, which I highly doubt we've had all year. Um, And even the guys that didn't score double figures, you know, Sumner played well in his minutes. Aaron was dishing dimes. So we got production from everyone today. And then on the other end, I don't think I've seen the Hornets look worse. (laughs) So it was a tale of of two outliers for the season, I guess. But I will say this, though. The Hornets were struggling coming into this game. So, you know, it, it isn't the biggest surprise that the Pacers were able to capitalize. Yeah, I'd put it down to the fact that Bismack Biombo only played three minutes as to why we played so well. <laughs> he was tortured us and he started the game, but then only played three minutes and uh, gave up a lot of points early. But you're right. Like the Hornets were really struggling this whole game. I think the only real shining light for them was Miles Bridges. He played really well. I feel he was, you know, athletic. He was, uh, he was all over the place. He was trying to get loose balls. He was throwing down huge dunks. But, I mean, I haven't seen a box score like this out of the paces all season. Eight players in double figures. You know, we had guys that haven't necessarily contributed all that much uh, in their, their bench roles this season, like Gogo getting a double-double with three blocks. He was huge. Got to the line, eight free throw attempts. Like, that's... That's exactly what you want from him off the bench. Um, the exact sort of game that, that he needs to put in more often once a week next season. Um, you know, 
TJ McConnell was incredible. Doug was a flamethrower for the first like eight minutes of the game. Um, O'Shea was so impressive. Like I, I must say, and I, I want your take on this as well. The only guy that we really had that could shoot the corner three up until O'Shea arrived was Justin Holiday, And now we have two. I still remember the first that he hit. He caught the ball beside Justin Holiday. They somehow went to the same corner. Um, and it just showed you that both of those guys know their role and they both ran to the corner to try and get that three. And isn't that what this team's been missing on offense? Guys that can, can hit that shot? Yeah, and I think it's confidence a lot as well, man, because I, I yeah. know the play you're talking about and McDermott, who who was literally fourth and fourth in the field, was right next to him. Yeah. Like McDermott was on the wing open. Brissett said, no, nah, don't worry, mate. I've got this. Yeah. Took the three with confidence, made it today. 23 points, five rebounds. I mean, you know, he had 30 in, what, 10 against the, the Raptors in the last game. So it's it's crazy to think his journey has been maybe the best story of the NBA season. I mean, he was waived by the Raptors in December, signs two 10-day contracts, then gets his first start, uh, you know, gets a double-double and then signs a three-year deal. And now he's making maybe the most impact on the Pacers team outside of Sabonis. So yeah, his story has been amazing. It's It's been great to see them play together. I, I must say, you know, we love Miles on this show. There's no Miles slander in, in the, on this show whatsoever. But seeing two guys out there fighting for boards and being able to actually hold them in, I think, is super important for this team now and moving forward. Um, and, you know, I think O'Shea's the type of guy that could play beside either Domas or Miles and be really effective. So I'm really interested to see what they do with the lineup moving forward. But let's let's keep talking about this game for a sec. Um, Malcolm looked really good in a return from, I think, a 10-game absence. He, he didn't really look like he lost a step. Uh, at all he obviously went came in for sort of shorter spurts like six seven minutes at a time um and it didn't matter because we got off to such a good start that he didn't really have to play a whole lot um past the first half but i mean it's definitely the most complete game i've seen and even uh, killen martin i want to call him out as well because he played really good defense and i think that's probably the the thing that that we've seen in injecting youth into this team in in o'shea and keelan they, they play so hard on defense and they, they cover their man and they make things difficult for the opponent. Like you saw a few of the Hornets guys dribbling up the court and just being like clearly bothered by the fact that they were getting, you know, pressed by Ed, by Keelan, by O'Shea. I mean, how important is youth and, and effort on defense been to, I guess, changing this team's fortunes? Well, it's contagious. I mean, we yeah. see TJ McConnell out there diving on loose balls. I know he's not young, but he's the the guy that leads by examples. He had another four steals today. And, uh, you know, as you said, we've talked about defense a, a million times this season on, on the podcast. And, you know, you guys are probably sick of listening to it, but it's 100% effort sometimes. You know, how many times have we said that? You, you have to have effort on defense. You're not always going to be the most skillful or the quickest out there. But if you give 100%, uh, as Brissett does, as Martin does, as McConnell does, you're going to come up with steals. You're going to come up with loose balls. And good things can happen uh, from that, you know, fast break opportunities. So, yeah, it's massive to the paces. I want to finish on Domas because he was awesome. I mean, 14 points, 21 boards, nine assists, steal and a block. Um, five turnovers, but nine assists. So he had obviously the positive assist to turnover ratio going. Only took two threes. So I think he, he sort of knew his role a bit. 
um, and um, tended to back down maybe a little bit too much. I saw a couple of tweets saying that the paces are far better when Domas isn't, you know, backing down his man repeatedly in the paint and he's, he's sort of zinging the ball around. I mean, he's such a gifted passer. He's such a gifted rebounder that when you see those strengths come out, I mean, it, this offense just clicks. 17 assists between Domas and Malcolm. Those are the sorts of numbers that you uh, that you need. And, and ultimately, you know, I, I can't remember a game this season where the Pacers have had 35 assists before on, you know, 58 made field goals. It was, the passing was also contagious, I feel. Yeah, it was. And, you know, on, on Sabonis, first of all, he, yeah, he was fantastic. 21 rebounds in three quarters is insane. Like, yeah. uh, I don't care who you are or who you're going against. That's crazy numbers. And and the good thing about this win is that he struggled in the first half. I think yeah. he was like one from his first like seven or something. And, you know, it, on a normal night, if Sabonis and Brogdon don't have perfect games, we're losing. But today, Sabonis, uh, as I said, struggled on offense early, but we still won the game. So uh, it was the fact that we didn't have to rely so heavily on those two. As, you know, you go back earlier in the season, I think it was like a Timberwolves game. In, it was in Minnesota. Those two had like 60, 20, and 20 combined. And we only just won that game. Yeah. Today, they don't play half that good. And we win by, what, 30? So I think that's the, the biggest difference from the paces now to, uh, to back then. It just makes you wonder how good this team could be with Karras and TJ Warren out there on the wings. I mean, no disrespect to Justin Holiday and, and Doug McDermott, but if you if you upgrade those positions with guys that can score in a multitude of ways and pass and, you know, uh, a guy like TJ Warren that just gets that many buckets, it's it's silly, then it's, it's easy to see a way that this team could really bounce back in a big way next season. And I think a key to that is O'Shea Brissett. I, I really feel like his energy, his presence, his confidence, his swagger, like you, you almost have to start that guy. I was going to ask that. I was going to ask that because I saw a tweet today. Uh, somebody was saying that O'Shea could be the starting power forward next season. Yeah. And I, I genuinely couldn't argue with that. I was like, well, he's played this well, which makes me wonder if you do trade Miles, well, then who are you trading him for? Are you not trading him for a starter or are you trading him for maybe a point guard and, and playing small? I really don't know. It, it's not a bad problem to have though, is it? No, it's Too not. many options. It's not. I mean, look, we've got a lot committed to the starters. So the fact that we potentially can make a move and, and either free up salary or, or even potentially trade two starters and upgrade a position. I think that's, yep. you know, that's a real possibility. It's, it's something that, that this team has to consider heading into the off season. I mean, if you've got guys like Miles um, Turner and Malcolm Brogdon making you know, a combined $40 million, but also giving high production, then what does that $40 million let you buy? Um, what, what sort of player is gettable? What sort of player demands a trade and, and wants to go to a team where they'll be you know, running the offense? Um, I mean, we've, we've joked about the number of Russell Westbrook trade ideas that we get, <laughs> and uh, certainly that's not the answer to this question. But... It's, it's interesting to sort of hear $40 million gets you a, a potential all-star salary. So do you potentially explore Miles and Malcolm for an all-star point guard? I think you have to look at it, man. I think, you know, I, I always say this. You look at the Raptors and the move that they made for Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. That was a risky move. They're a small market franchise, but they said, no, we're sick of losing in the playoffs. Uh, we're going to go out and get a superstar. 
And I'm not saying the Pacers are just going to magically, you know, win a championship after making a trade, but you have to make those moves to be able to win championships. So yeah, I really think that that's a great option the Pacers have. The other thing I'd say is that if we do decide to keep Nate Bjorkeren, and I think off the strength of this victory, and particularly if we end up beating the Wizards and getting into the first round, I'd say that they almost certainly give him another opportunity next season. You have to look at players that are going to succeed in his system. It's clear that he favours athletic players. He favours quickness. He favours, you know, the ability to to get downhill and get to the rim and, and you know, cut and move. And, you know, he needs a, a more athletically gifted point guard. With the greatest respect to Malcolm Brogdon, he plays at a certain pace that he allows the game to sort of come to him. And he, he allows the game to sort of, he takes what the game gives him as opposed to, you know, you look at a guy like De'Aaron Fox who just gets downhill and runs. Um, you know, in the West, you've got a heap of really good point guards like Ja Morant um, that, you know, take the game by the scruff of the neck, as we would say in Australia. And I think you, you need to start to explore, is there an option to be able to get a franchise point guard um, with your your current starting center and your current starting point guard. I think it's a real conversation to have because this team is not trading Domas Sabonis under any circumstances. He's averaged nearly a triple-double over the last six weeks. Like, it's been insane, the numbers that he's been putting up. I'd say that with a guy like O'Shea that plays on both ends and can potentially cover some of Domas's um, shortcomings on defense... If we stop moving him around like the roadrunner on, on defense, he's covered more ground than anyone else in the league. Um, and if we start to sort of allow him to have the, the off, to take what the offense gives him defensively, then, you know, potentially we see uh, a better system that I guess allows him to be a bit more of an anchor. But if that's the case, then you need a point guard out there that can, you know, get out and run and, and run beside Karras and, you know, make the make the game easy for guys like TJ and O'Shea as well. So I'd say that, you know, if I was a betting man, then I would say that that's probably the most likely move that the team makes, trying to upgrade that point guard position. Um, Malcolm's got two years left. Miles has got three years left. You know, I think there's, there's options out there potentially. Um, I can't see this team trading uh, Domas. Uh, I can't see this team not starting O'Shea next year. Like, can you can you see O'Shea not being the starter if if Miles is traded? Like, can you see them seriously upgrading the the power forward position and, and pushing O'Shea back to the bench with how he's played? Yeah, it's tough. It, it would have to be an elite. Like, we're talking an elite power forward, wouldn't it? I mean, if not an all star, maybe a borderline all star. But hey, speaking about De'Aaron Fox, he might be requesting a trade. That's all I'll say. You know, they the Kings front office is dysfunctional as it gets. Apparently, Luke Walton, I know this is off topic, but they want to. They want Luke Walton to be their head coach next season. So for all the Pacers fans who are in misery this year and, you know, we, we've had our hardships, but at least we're not, we're not Kings fans, all right? Yeah. We're not Sacramento Kings fans. That, that's the only silver lining there. Yeah, shouts to the Kings. I mean, they, like, you, you'd rather be the Pacers than the Kings. Even though neither of us have won a championship, you'd much, much rather be the Pacers than the Kings. I mean, one hundred percent. There's, there's some, there's some weird teams out there. I mean, there's, there's guys on lottery teams like Colin Sexton that you know are really good scoring point guards that that could potentially be gettable for the Pacers this off season. What about, because what we've about got Lonzo? There. We've got what's that? What about Lonzo Ball? I feel like he could be on the move. 
Yeah, if for, we could afford him, if we can free up salary or do like a sign and trade for Miles for Lonzo, like that, that is that would be fantastic. Like Lonzo has become a three and D point guard that that also yeah. can pass the ball, can handle the ball if necessary. So having a guy that 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 malleable in our team that can you know play a multiple uh, play a couple of multiple roles is even better. But I don't think you can have Karras and TJ Warren and Malcolm and Lonzo. So um, I feel like you would have to then um, decide that Lonzo's the starter. And I'm not sure if for Miles and Malcolm, that's enough of a return. I mean, you have to look at, you know, some of the lottery teams that might want to to trade places and, and potentially upgrade different positions. I mean, you look at, the Timberwolves. I mean, a couple of years ago, if you told me that we could trade Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon for uh, D'Angelo Russell, then you probably would have taken it on the strength of his Brooklyn season. But now his trade values plummeted. Um, if you told me that you could get Shea Gilgis Alexander for those two guys in a couple of picks, then, you know, sign me up. I'm right there. But, you know, OKC aren't getting off SGA even for, for that sort of package. Um, you know, I think there's there's a few guys out there that are gettable, but it's going to be tough to put a trade together. But if there's one man that we know that could put a trade together that could upgrade, I mean, you trust Kevin Pritchard, right? 100%. Look, KP's copped a lot of slack this season, but I will say this for him is that with what he's been given, the trades that he's made, you cannot fault that man. No. Karis Levert for 20 games of Oladipo, are you kidding me? You know, TJ Warren for cash. Like, you can go on. So... He's made some great trades, and uh, there's a. I will say there's a lot of teams that are desperate for a center, especially the team we just played. So Miles Turner, I think his value will never be higher than it will be coming into the offseason. Very true. Let, let me ask you: Would you trade Miles Malcolm and four first round picks for Damian Lillard? <laughs> oh yes, yeah, I would. <laughs> how many how many first round picks would you have to get to to say no? Four picks and four pick swaps. Uh... Well, I mean, those to me, those picks would be useless. So the paces are better in the second round than they are in the first round. And if yeah. we got Dame, I feel like we would be 25 to 30 range. So uh, who knows, man? It would be in the... I don't want to do what the Clippers did, though, you know, like give away 20 first round picks. <laughs> <laughs> For two years of Paul George. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Um, would you trade Miles and Malcolm for Paul George? Uh, just... Just because it's Paul George, no. <laughs> <laughs> if Paul George had started with any other team, then uh, maybe potentially you might yeah. do that. Um, the other guy who you'd have to consider would be, if he didn't get injured, would be Jamal Murray. That would be mm. an incredible um, an incredible get. There's, there's plenty of great point guards around the league, but I think the point is if you're trading two starters, a guy that can average you know, 20 and, and seven assists, a guy that can average three blocks that has extreme value and you might have a team that, that really wants those two players and is willing to part with a great asset in order to, to get two of those players. It just depends. You've got to, got to strike the right situation. Um, you know, you might get a team with cap space, that has got a high lottery pick and, uh, and wants to, wants to upgrade one or both of those positions. You might be able to jump up in the draft. I've heard that there's, you know, five or six really good players in the draft. We've been all over Josh Giddy, of course, who, who knows where he'll go. But um, the good thing about this is that the introduction of O'Shea, the salary of O'Shea gives you so many more options for this off season, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it does. And even this next game we're playing, the Wizards game has implications for what happens in the offseason, doesn't it? Because if we win, we get... Do we go out of the lottery or do we stay in? I actually don't know, but... I don't know. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's a question I was going to ask, and it's probably yeah. something we probably need to ask uh, our brains trust because we've got plenty of Pacers Twitter friends that know a lot more about the CBA than we do. But yeah, <laughs> it, if if we go from pick 14 to pick 15 or 16, um, it, not too much of a disadvantage. I mean, at, at the moment, we're probably still the, the 13th or 14th pick. So if we're dropping from... Yeah the mid-teens to the late-teens, then that's that's not the end of the world, is it? It's not too much different. You just hope it's not the difference between, you know, Michael Porter Jr., who was taken at 14 and someone else, right? Like, that's the only thing yeah, that I'm hoping doesn't happen. Yeah, and TJ Leaf, unfortunately. <laughs> um, we won't yeah. talk about TJ, mate. No, no. It's, let's laugh <laughs> at that name again. Let's move on to the Wizards game. You, you referenced it. It's a massive game. We're playing a guy that averages... 58,000 points, 20,000 assists and 10,000 rebounds against against us in Russell Westbrook. I think the um, the concern that I have is he's going to go off. I mean, he looked terrible against the Celtics. Uh, it, it looked like he was uh, not really in the right sort of zone, but you know that he loves playing the, playing the paces. I mean, how worried are you about how well Russ could play in this game? I'm I'm honestly terrified, man. Like he, I said it to you guys in on Twitter. It was weird to see Russ today. That was like the first time this season I've seen him where he just looked disinterested. I don't know if it was uh, soreness or what was going on. We know Bradley Beal's playing with one hamstring, so you know maybe that was it. But I, I will say this: if I was Russell Westbrook, I would have tanked that game just to play the paces because when he plays us. <laughs> That man is putting up some of the most historic numbers you will ever see. At this point, I mean, you've got to basically start Edmund Sumner and just throw him at Russell Westbrook for as many minutes as he can possibly give. I feel like you have to throw as many guards at him as possible. You have to use every foul that you can possibly use against Westbrook while you've got them. Get him out of a rhythm. That's the only way that we're going to do this, right? Like he's he can change a game in so many different ways. And he has against the paces this season, he's been unstoppable on the boards. He's been setting up teammates. He's been scoring. Um, in fact, scoring is probably the thing he's done the least. So yeah. I think, you know, you have to, you have to bother him as much as you possibly can and slow him down and, and get him hopefully out of his zone. Don't you? Yeah. I mean, the paces don't really have anyone that matches up with him. I think that's the biggest problem. For yeah. me, though, the key to win this game is you can't let guys like Rui, Chandler Hutchinson, even yeah. Rahul Neto had a 28-point game against us or some rubbish like that. So to me, if the Pacers want to win this game, you can't let those guys go off. I mean, Chandler Hutchinson averages like five points a game against everyone else. When he plays us, he averages 20. So, you know, again, Rui had a massive game. So those are the guys like Westbrook's going to kill us. We know this. Yeah. Bradley Beal had 50 last game. He played us. Um, so you can expect good games for them. For me, it's the other guys you have to stop. Yeah, true. And the reason those guys have played so well is because of Russell Westbrook. He set them up. That's true. You know, the, yeah. the defense has collapsed on Russ and, and they've had the opportunity to make some open shots. Like we're not talking Chandler Hutchinson taking us on and, you know, yeah. getting getting through one-on-one in the big moments on ISO ball. Like he's, he's being set up by his all-star teammates, which is what they should do. So... I think you're right. You have to make those role players beat us. That's the way to win. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, I think 
the Pacers have a good chance. Like in all honesty, Bradley Beal, like I said, he does not look right. So if the Pacers have a chance to win it, they they got to take control of. Uh, firstly, as you said, slowing down Westbrook, but taking advantage of that match uh, mismatch, if you will, because he is playing sore. So, yeah. Yeah, we've definitely got a shot. I mean, I think um, it's obviously do or die. This team knows that. They played obviously a really good game, do or die against uh, against Charlotte. If they can get past uh, Washington and, and get into that first round series, I mean, it's really bittersweet, I think, and we'll probably all feel the same way. But it feels like success, but then we turn around and we probably get slapped by Philly and then it feels like yeah. every other year. So it's a really weird feeling to sort of be wanting to get in the playoffs, but at the same time, you know what's coming. Um, look, I'm not looking forward to that 76ers match. I know you aren't either. Because <laughs> Embiid, Simmons kills us. <laughs> we, have no, we have no chance against Philly. For me, it's the ultimate test of... Uh, it will either be the thing that causes the team to potentially stick with Miles post this season or it will be an opportunity for Domas to show that he can go toe-to-toe with a guy like Embiid offensively. Um, may not be able to stop him defensively, but potentially go toe-to-toe with him offensively. And if if that matchup can end up being a draw or close to, then I think, unfortunately for us, and we're huge fans, then then Miles' uh, days are, are probably numbered in the organisation um, if those matchups go well. Uh, against the Sixers because if this team feels like it can win with Domas as the sole big man, then we know which way they're going to go. And, you know, it's defensible. We hope that, you know, either one of the big men, whoever get, ends up getting traded in the end, ends up in a really good situation, is a multi-time all-star and is incredibly successful. But for the makeup of this team, I feel like the, you know, if we get into that matchup with the 76ers, it could really give us a window on what our future looks like. What do you think? Well, I was going to ask you this. Do you think that Miles missing out on the end of the season and potentially, I, I think it's cost him an all-defensive spot, right? Yeah. How much do you think that, firstly, that hurt his chances to stay, but secondly, how much do you think that that's impacted his value at all? Because if, if you're trading for a guy who's second-team all-defense, all of a sudden, that's another price tag to him, right? So I, I'm just curious. I think it's hurt his, his value. I, I think not, not so much probably because he had such a lead in blocks per game. Um, mm. And that's, it's a really easy stat to refer to, I guess, if you're trying to sell a fan base on Miles Turner, that, you know, he, he gets more blocks per game than anyone else. Um, and, and obviously he can shoot. So I'd say that it hasn't necessarily hurt his value to the point where it's diminished it significantly, but it, like making an all defensive team would have, would have, you know, significantly helped his value. Um, So it's probably where it was, unfortunately. And I think Miles had the opportunity if he continued and played out the season and not got injured to really cement his name as, you know, a top two or three defensive center in the league, Um, which I think he will be for the next five to 10 years. But um, unfortunately, at this rate, if Domas does play well against Joel Embiid, then that probably won't be in Indiana, which is really sad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, man. You guys know how much I love Miles. That's my guy. But I also think the play of O'Shea Brissett has put the writing on the wall because Tabonis was struggling. We know that. You know, their plus minuses on the court together weren't good. But the Pacers didn't really have much to go with 
yeah. like after him on the bench. We, Goga was good in spot minutes, but him and Sabonis would be the same as Miles and Sabonis, but worse. <laughs> so the fact that Brissett's come in and played so well is probably, uh, I think it's made KP's decision a hell of a lot easier. Agree. Uh, we haven't had that guy since Thad left. And, yeah, yeah. you know, now that we've got a guy that can clearly pay, play power forward against uh, alongside one of our big men, and can compliment him, can hunt for boards, can shoot three still. I mean, that's the sort of player that you want to start beside Domas Sabonis if you have to. And, you know, you, yeah. you're going to have to surround him with good defenders because um, he hasn't proven so far in his career that he can anchor a defense down low. But um, O'Shea's a really good start and, and effort is probably the, the thing that it starts with. So if you've got a guy that's high energy, high effort like O'Shea, you've got other guys like Ed and TJ McConnell that, that give it all on defense off the bench, coming back to our original conversation, you probably need to trade for a guy in the backcourt that can give it all on defense then as well. Um, and that's probably where we're heading. Um, overall, we'll end with uh, prediction. Prediction, Pacers or Wizards? Who wins the playing game? Ooh, we, we've been better on the road. So I know we've struggled against the Wizards this year, but I'm backing them. I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be close. And I think the Pacers just pull it out. What about you? With how we played against Charlotte, it's hard not to pick us. I mean, it's hard not yeah. to think that we're going to win another game. If we show up like we did against the Hornets, then there's very few teams at that level in the East that can stop us. Um, unfortunately, we're then going to run into one that definitely <laughs> can stop us. Um, and their assistant coaches know all of our tricks and all of our players' strengths and weaknesses, which doesn't help. So I think um, I'd really like to see us get get the win if for no other reason than it really sort of validates where this team's headed and gives us a little bit of positivity. Uh, and then if we can pitch a game off the 76ers in that series, then even better. But uh, regardless of the outcome, the Pacers will come to you after the next playing game. We hope the Pacers have at least four more games left after that. This has been the Pace Rose. Thanks for listening.